The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word now. I'm excited to because I, I, think, uh, I think there's a number of things that God is speaking to us as a congregation, and I know that there's some things that He's speaking to me personally, and I think in the Word this morning, we're all going to be really blessed. So if you have something to take notes with, I want to encourage that. We always talk about the importance of, of writing things down so that you can revisit them. Uh, God is speaking to us, and he, he has a very intentional plan for everything about your life, and, and today is no different. We're here together to look at these verses of Scripture for a reason. Uh, God's speaking to us all very uh, personally and individually. So here's a few things that stood out to me that I just jotted down that I want to share with you. A few things that we're going to find as we get into the Word. One is what happens every day. There's something that happens every day, and and it's in every single day, and it's important for us to be aware of that. And we'll see that right as we get uh, uh, started here. Uh, another thing that we're going to find is uh, something that we need to stay focused on. Do you ever feel like there's competition for your attention? And, and you know, some people have uh, uh, this gift to be able to stay focused on things. And, and God bless you, but I can't relate to that. I mean, I, the, the whole concept of chasing something shiny, I'm a little bit guilty of that, you know. And then, too, I've, I've kind of anointed myself to be a very gifted multitasker. But if you ask those around me, I might not be as gifted as I think I am, right? So, so sometimes, you know, staying focused can be a challenge. But I, I can tell you today, whether you have that gift to be able to stay dialed in or whether you're, you're kind of like me where, where you can chase those shiny things, uh, there's something that is important that we do focus on in the Word, and, and we need to, to take a look at what that is so that we can give our attention to those things. A third thing that we're going to find is what to do with your problems. So, first of all, you know, that's only going to be helpful if you have any problems. Uh, does anybody in here have any problems, you know? I mean, yeah, okay, there we go. I've got, uh, if I could, you know, I could raise my hands, I could raise my leg, I could just raise my whole, if I could just levitate, I would do that, you know, because I would say, me, I've got some problems. There's things that I deal with. And, and then the more influence that, that uh, you have in your life, the more problems you deal with. I mean, there are people that I work with, and, and some of them I work with, and some of them uh, are, are working for me and other things. So not only do I have my problems, but I've got problems of other people. I mean, you've got family and, and other things. So other people's problems touch your life. And we, we just are surrounded by challenges and issues and things that we use the word uh, problems to describe. So I think that's fitting for all of us. We need to know what to do with those. I mean, do you ever just get them kind of piled up? You know, I mean, and once they start to pile up, if you don't do something with them, they don't just get better on their own. So there's something specific we need to do with our problems. We're going to see what that is. Okay, so enough of that now. We're, we're going to get into the Scripture. If you have your Bibles, the Gospel of Matthew, I want to look at chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I told you before we're going to find what happens every day. There's something that, that is going on every single day. We're going to see it here in Matthew chapter 6. Now, we've used this verse in the past to talk about a number of topics. Uh, I want to use it again this morning to focus on an element that I want us to, to uh, uh, receive 
And we're going to find it in Matthew chapter 6, specifically verse 34. Now, we're going to read some other passages here in a moment that surround this passage, but I want us to kick things off with Matthew chapter 6, 34. So it's Jesus speaking, and he's, he's talking about life. He's speaking about normal, everyday existence. Here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus is speaking about life, and he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Well, that's a relief, right? And then he says, why? Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, this is a relief for me to hear this as a believer. Because oftentimes, you know, as we, we walk out our lives in, in Christianity, you know, you go through the Christian bookstore and you see all of these books and all these books are, are targeting living a better life and, and having a better result with life and choices and decisions and, and things like this. And, and you know, you, you can go through there and you'll see sections, you know, of, of, of you know, better living, uh, marriage and family and all of these sections, you never walk through the Christian bookstore and just have a section that's just labeled failure, you know, or, or a section that's labeled problems. But, but Jesus talked about those things, and it's really important for us to see that. I mean, I think that if there was a section at the Christian bookstore that just was called daily trouble, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be a really popular section. But Jesus is talking about life, and he literally makes this comment, each day has trouble of its own. And he uses the word enough. Each word, each day has enough trouble of its own, meaning like you're not going to be able to handle today's trouble and tomorrow's trouble. That's going to stress you out. You, you, you need to just deal with today. So this comment here is relieving to me. One, I realize that I'm a normal person because there, my days are filled with different troubles. Right about the time I think something's going smooth, my phone will ring, a text will pop up, there's a problem. So every day is going to have challenges. Every day is going to have issues. Every day is going to have problems. And it's a relief to me to hear that this is normal for the believer. That we don't, you know, go to the altar and recite the sinner's prayer and then from that day on never have any trouble. Or from that day forward never have any issues. You don't go home and fill up the bathtub with water and walk on top of it, you know, and, and, but we are living in this world. We are no longer of this world, but we're living in this world, and in this world, there's lots of challenges. So now let's get the context of this. We know what happens every day. Trouble. Trouble happens every day. Matthew chapter 6, I want to begin in verse 25 here. Jesus is speaking and says, for this reason I say to you, uh, don't be worried about life. Now, I'm going to paraphrase slightly, but just follow along. We won't change the meaning of anything. Don't be worried about life, you know, as to the things that you eat or drink. Uh, don't be worried about things like your body and what to put on it. You know, life is more than, than food, and, and, and the body is more than just to be clothed. I mean, look at the birds of the air. Uh, they, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into the barns, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he makes this comment, and this is a comment that's worth uh, paying very close attention to. Are you not worth much more than birds? He goes on to say, and, and who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worried about these things? Observe the, the lilies, the flowers of the field and how they grow. They don't spin, they don't toil. 
But I say to you, not even King Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself in the beauty as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow cut down and thrown into the furnace, will he not care for you much more? You of little faith, don't worry then, saying, what about this or what about that? Don't seek after these things as the world does. Your heavenly Father knows the things that you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And then now it concludes with verse 34 that we read earlier. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's a lot to read, but when we get the gist of what Jesus is saying, he's, he's animating his words with, with nature. He's showing us imagery of things that God is constantly caring for that we easily take for granted. He looks at the birds and says, you know, look at the birds. They're cared for. God knows every single one of them. Are you not worth so much more than them? Look at the grass and, and the, the flowers that grow in it. Now, we recently had a, a birthday. My sons had their birthday. Their birthday, is, it falls on the first day of spring. One of our in-house family traditions is we, we go to a, a local you know, greenhouse or nursery, and, and everybody gets to pick a plant. It's just kind of a, a thing we do, you know. And, and so as we're walking through the nursery, you can tell that the springtime plants are out. And one of the things that was selected was this beautiful uh, daisy. It, it, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's just in its little planter, and we'll put it in a pot and either put it outside or set it on the windowsill. And it's beautiful, but it's temporary. I mean, it'll be beautiful for, for weeks, and as long as we take care of it, it'll, it'll do its best, but there will come a time its season will end, and it'll be gone. So Jesus is saying something here. He's saying, look at the effort and the intention and the beauty and the care that God puts into these things that are absolutely temporary. And then let's be reminded about our lives, the value, the worth, the eternal value, and the eternal worth that our lives have. And ask ourselves, do we think that God would care for those temporary things and then not care for these precious eternal things? So Jesus is basically just addressing a group of people, just like this group of people, and in a very loving and in a very uh, 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 leading and teaching way, he's helping us to get our thinking right. Just get our thoughts right. To not be uh, suffering this bad thinking that would lead us to, to fear and anxiety. And then he offers instruction. So you would get our thinking right, and then he begins to tell us what to do now with our right thinking. Once you realize your worth and your value, and that God, who puts all of this care into these things that are temporary, how much more will he care for you, who's eternal? He gives us the instruction in what to do now. Once we get our thinking right, he instructs us to seek, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, the his here is God's, God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Now, this is a really important thing to catch here. I think that Jesus is always intentional when he speaks, you know. I mean, me, not so much. I try to be, but there's times, you know, I get put on the spot and I say something, you know, and then maybe I get in my truck and I'm driving and I'm playing it through my head, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, that came out pretty good. But, but Jesus doesn't have those moments. I mean, what he's speaking here is very intentional when he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. 
None of us would be upset or disappointed or even think twice about it if it just said, seek the kingdom and seek righteousness. It would just, we would read it and we would apply it to our lives as best we could. But Jesus is putting ownership on the kingdom that we seek. There's, there's, there's a lot of kingdoms out there. He's putting ownership on the righteousness that we seek. Because even though there's really only one thing that is righteous in a given situation, there may be perceived righteousness. Now, I, I'm guilty of that a lot. Have you ever justified anything? You know, you did it, and, and then you, maybe it's wrong, but, you know, you could justify it. I, if there were, were, like, you know, an America's Got Talent for that, I'd win. I mean, I think I'm good at that. I think people are, are, are kind of naturally good at justifying things. We're not taught to do that, but it's in our, our nature, even from, from our childhood. I remember, you know, listening to some of the, the reasons and the thought process in my own sons as they were growing up. And even though what they were doing was wrong and it needed to be corrected, there's an element of genius in the justification that they would have. But these are all things that Jesus is addressing just by simply putting the possession on the kingdom and the righteousness, his. So as we now have our thinking right, God loves me, he values my life, he's going to take care of me. Now what do I do with that? Well, now I need to pursue. I need to pursue the things that belong to God, the things that belong to God's kingdom and the things that God says is righteous, not the things that Facebook says is righteous, not the things that my neighbor says is righteous, not the things that the, you know, certain political party that I'm affiliated with says is righteous or that other political party that I'm not affiliated says is righteous or that other, other political party that I don't know anything about says is righteous. The point is, is that we need to seek the things that God and God alone says is righteous. And when we come to this place where we get our thinking right and we begin to seek the things that matter and have an effect, Jesus offers this promise, this promise that things will take care of themselves. I want to give you a passage of Scripture concerning the same context, just a different recording. So sometimes you'll find the same piece of history or the same sermon or the same message, but in a different gospel. Like maybe Matthew wrote it down and also Luke wrote it down or Matthew and Mark. You, you get the picture. But we'll find the same message recorded by Luke. We just read from Matthew. Now this is out of Luke. Luke chapter 12, verses 31 and 32. Luke chapter 12, verses 31 and 32, it's recorded like this. Jesus says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your Father has chosen to gladly give you the kingdom. I like adding that passage, that perspective, to what we read in Matthew. I think it's important for us to seek God's kingdom with, with our thinking right. That God has called me, he's equipped me, he's, he's, he loves me, my life is eternal, it has value, it has worth. And he's called me now to do these things, and it's, it's his a goodwill, he's chosen to gladly give his kingdom to me, to you, to us. These are the things that are meant to set us free from worry. When we deal with trouble, when we deal with problems, we're at a crossroads, no matter what. That crossroads is either to seek his kingdom, to have our thinking right, to seek God's kingdom, to seek God's righteousness, or to turn the other direction in worry. And I really believe it's easy. I think there's a natural inclination for most people to turn the direction of worry. 
In fact, oftentimes we might deal with that or address that and then have to correct. And it's a wonderful thing to correct. I wouldn't want to ask anyone to, to raise a hand or anything like that because it would just be a potential embarrassment. And there's no need for that. But if I were to call for, for people who believe that, that worry touches their life to identify themselves, I think hands would go up across the room. I mean, it happens no matter how stable you are in your thinking, no matter how strong you are in your heart, when situations turn upside down, unexpected results uh, uh, come into a situation, there is an inclination immediately, first and foremost, to worry. The question is, what do we do with that? Do we subdue that and do we let right thinking prevail and do we begin to apply the instruction that we've been given by Jesus to prevail? To, let's seek God, let's seek what he says is right. Or do we allow that worry to take over? So here's some things that we, we need to understand why it's bad to let worry take over, okay? Uh, kind of a what worry does and why we need to deal with it, uh, a little element to the message here. So I'll give you something that we, we would see here in Luke uh, if we continued reading in that chapter there, Luke 12, 25. And we read this earlier in Matthew, but it's the same statement being made as it concerns worry. Which of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? I mean, worrying is never going to improve a life situation. There's never a time where you're going to walk away from a situation thinking, wow, worrying really saved the day. I feel so much better now that I've worried about that. I mean, you're never going to be able to yoke this to anything that is prosperous or anything that adds to life. We're not just talking about, you know, lengthening the lifespan here. We're just talking about making life better even. Worrying is never going to do that. I'll give you a passage here out of, out of Proverbs, Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety or worry, worry in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. A good word makes it glad. Now, when I see that, I think about that, and I just think, what does that mean, you know? What, what does it mean to have a good word? Uh, what is a good word? Well, it depends. I mean, you know, I mean, right now, lunch is a good word, right? It's like, hey, that's a good word. That sounds good to me. I want you to think about the gospel. I mean, the word gospel just means good news. Could it be in the Proverbs that what we're being told, what we're, we're having revealed to us is that worrying is going to weigh your heart down, but the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, the message that God loves you and he'll pay the highest price for your life that will set your value and your worth. Remember, Jesus said, hey, don't worry, don't you know you're worth so much more? The gospel, the good news, it will, will lift up your heart. Or it will make you glad. Worry will weigh you down, but the gospel will make your heart glad. I mean, it tells me something. When I feel worry coming in, there are things I need to focus on. I need to remember the gospel. I mean, even if you just had a, a, the gospel message condensed to a form that you could write on a business card. You know, a John 3.16, so to speak. But rather than have it generic, put, put an identity on it. For God so loved Preston Humphreys that he sent Jesus Christ. I mean, we have this in our, 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 our minds and in our hearts for a reason, not just for our Bible IQ being heightened 
or for the sake of identifying us as having attended church meetings, but rather this information is meant to have an impact and effect on how we live our lives and how we deal with the things that we face. And Jesus talked about uh, worry and, and its uh, detrimental effects, its negative effects. When Jesus was talking about uh, uh, the Word of God and, and the sowing of, of the Word of God, it, we call it the parable of the sower. Now, in the parable of the sower, you'll find it in the Gospel of Matthew. You'll also find it in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 4 specifically. In the parable of the sower, Jesus breaks down all of humanity into four groups. To four people groups. There's one group that is the hard soil beside the road. There's another group that is the rocky soil. There's a third group that is the soil that has weeds. And then there's the fourth group that is the good soil. That's, that's tilled deep and that is fertile. Which means, you know, in any situation or in any circumstance, any human being is, is one of those four. Uh, Jesus has a really profound way of simplifying things. I mean, if you were to ask, you know, one of our major universities to categorize the different people groups, you would get volumes and manuals. And, and I mean, it, it's absolute nonsense, but have you heard how many genders there are now? I think they're at like 26. And some of them, you're just thinking, are you kidding me? You know, what, what is that? But Jesus is, is, is simplifying things to, to a way that we can actually be better and improved by his instruction in his word when he simply says, uh, there are four kinds of people. It's, your, your heart is either one that is the, the hard, hardened part or the, the one that has the rocks in it or the one that has the weeds in it or it's the one that is, is open to receive and ready to, to thrive. So in any one of these situations, you're one of those four. Well, worry actually is, is one of those four. When Jesus explains those, you know, he explains, well, the, 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 the rocky or the, I'm sorry, the hard soil is the soil that's not been tilled. The seed lands on it, and, and, and Satan just swoops it away. He, he, he uses the illustration of a bird. And then the, the rocky soil, well, there's no depth. So, you know, the seed gets planted on it, and everything's good, but the first time that there's a challenge or a problem, it, it's, it's all over. And then he has this other soil that has the weeds in it. And when he's talking about this one, this is the one that has worry in it. He says, you know, the, the word of God can come here and it, it takes root and it grows and everything's good. But then the deceitfulness of riches and worry enter in and choke it out. I want to read kind of how he says it here. Not kind of. I want to read exactly how he says it. Matthew 13, 22. Jesus says, the one where the seed is sown among the thorns and the weeds, this is the man who hears the word. And, and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So I hear that, and I just think, wow, worry is bad, but I want to focus on that. Do you realize that based on what Jesus just said there, worry can make all of the word of God that you've placed into your heart and into your life unfruitful? I mean, we could spend our, our days going to church services and downloading sermons and attending Bible studies and going to Sunday school, and I want to fill my life with the Word of God, but if I can't put worry in its proper place, then all of that is one big, giant, colossal waste of time. 
Worry will cause me to compromise in my actions and to act outside of the direction that God's word tells me to act. That's why when Jesus is addressing worry, he's saying, hey, I want to get your thinking straight. First of all, you need to know your worth and your value. Second, make sure that you are focusing on God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Make sure that you're focusing on the things that he says and the things that he identifies are of his kingdom. Focus on those things and only those things or else you're going to be focusing on worry, something else. And if we allow worry into our lives, it can make the word of God unfruitful or unproductive. It doesn't mean that it's not there. It just means that it doesn't produce. I want to give you a passage of scripture here from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 35. I want to read verses two through six. It speaks of the glory of God. It says, they will see the glory of God and the majesty of God. Uh, Encourage those who are exhausted and strengthen those who are weak. Uh, Say to those who are worrying, take courage and fear not. Behold, God will come. God will deliver. The deliverance of God will come. God will save. And then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped and the lame will leap like the deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy and waters will break out in the dry places, streams in the desert. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Do you realize all of these these things that we would call miracles, you know, the things that we see and and we pray for and we long for and we trust God to, to bring into our lives and through our lives. All of these things start when, the, when worry is dealt with. Hey, tell those that are worrying, take courage. God's coming. God will deliver. God's deliverance will come. And then the eyes of the blind will be open. And then, and then, and then, and then. It shows us the destructive power of worrying. If worrying is present and worrying prevails, it's a hindrance to all of the wonderful victory and deliverance that we would celebrate, long for, and pray for. It makes me want to ask God, Father, in Jesus' name, whatever it takes, let your word be applied to my life in such a way that I might live worry-free. Teach me what to do with worry so that worry will not make your word unproductive in my life. So that worry would not stop or close the door to your power and your authority flowing through my life. I want to see the eyes of the blind open. Start right here with mine. I want to see the ears of the deaf open up. Please start right here with mine. I want to see the lame leap up like the deer. Please start right here with me. Get worry out of my life. And I believe that's what God's doing. I want to give you a passage of scripture that I just want to label it how to deal with worry. How to deal with worry. I mean, we all have it. We all have to deal with it. We need to deal with it appropriately. I don't think that there's a day. If Jesus said every day will have trouble, I don't think that God getting worry out of my life is going to be the absence of things to worry about. Rather, it's going to be handling those things appropriately. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So how to deal with it, how to deal with worry when the trouble comes, when the challenge comes, when when there's an issue, when there's a problem, how do we respond? I want to give you a a, a series of of verses here, a passage from Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, I want to look at verses 4 through 9. 4 through 9, Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. It goes on to say this, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things that you've learned and received and heard and seen uh, written in these words from me, Paul saying that. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I want to look at that passage there for a moment because that passage is filled with, with uh, insight in how to handle anxiety. I can tell you for, for most of my Christian life, I've applied the first few verses that we read there. That call to rejoice in the Lord, to rejoice always and let your gentle spirit be made known to men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the, the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. That, that is where I... I stood forever, you know, that that was the, what I needed to do. I'm worried, and so I'm going to, to pray, and I'm going to be grateful, and those are great things to do. But I think that it, that's a real difficult task without adding the, the next verses. Finally, whatever is honorable and whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is of good repute and excellence, anything that is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. I want to just mention something quickly. I mean, are you capable of just clearing your mind? I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to do. In fact, when I try to do it, I end up thinking of like the color black or something like that. I mean, it's really tough to just kind of clear. Your, your mind is going. I mean, even when you sleep, your mind is going. I had the weirdest dream last night. I mean, people that I haven't seen in, in 10 years, you know, were in that dream. One of them said I owed him money. I thought, well, I'm not calling that guy. I'm just joking. It was just a weird dream. It was just really strange. One of them gave my wife a car. That's all one dream. We did eat Mexican food pretty late, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't wake up and think, Lord, you're speaking to me. I woke up and thought, never eating that again, you know. But your mind is going. It's hard to clear your mind. So here's my point with that. I mean, your mind is active and it is moving. Something is going to be on your mind. Now, God's giving us instruction here in what we need to do. And, you know, you, you take those things that, that you're worried about and, and take them to God in prayer, you know. And then as soon as I say amen, what happens? I'm thinking about my problems again. Those jerks over there ripped me off. So it, it, the, the prayer is important. Yeah, go to God. Be grateful. Hand that thing to God. But now step two, which is really going to be the step that makes it all effective. Now change what you're thinking about. Quit thinking about that thing that's driving you up the wall. Quit thinking about that thing that's putting a knot in your stomach. Find something that is godly to focus on. Look at this list. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, excellent, worthy to be praised, 
Let me just sum that up with one word. Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Take those things that are, are true and right, that are worthy to be praised. Focus on those things. I've learned now when I'm dealing with worry, it's not enough to just throw a couple of prayers up there while I'm driving to my next challenge. But I need to change what I just let soak in my brain. If I sit and just think about my challenge and think about my problem and think about that issue, that challenge and that issue will turn on me and consume me. And it has ruined many dinners, has it not? It has. It's ruined family events that I can never get back. I've sat at events where my children were doing things that are, are once in a lifetime, and I've sat there staring at my phone or tapping my foot or my brain's off in la-la land. There are times we'll be driving, and my wife will say, hey, honey, will you please be with us? And let me tell you what not to say when your wife says that. <laughs> you don't say, I'm right here. That's not what she means. She's not talking about the physical matter that makes up this body. She's talking about your thoughts your mind. And for us to win the battle against worry so that the word of God can be effective in our lives and we can live the, the power-filled, authority-filled lives that God has called us and anointed us to live, we've got to win as it comes to worry. We've got to win against worry. And the way that we do that, one, you go, you give it to God in prayer and with a grateful heart. You know, God, you've made my life great. And I know that this challenge is just one more thing in which you are going to, to lift me up to new levels, new levels of intelligence and experience and character, that you're going to use this to continue to increase the effects of your kingdom in my life. This is a big challenge for me right now, and all the help that you can provide, I'm so uh, grateful to receive. Please let your help come with no delay. Now let me focus on something else. Let me focus on what's true, that I have worth, that I have value that you sent Jesus to take my place on the cross, that you've paid my ransom with blood, that you have made a way for me to be your son, that you won't leave or forsake me. Let me focus on what's honorable. Let me focus on what is excellent. Let me focus on those things and let those things fill my mind and my thoughts. Worry is a battle that's taking place in your mind. And for us to win that battle, would be to focus on Jesus, to focus on and dwell on the things that are godly. And the result that's promised is peace. What a wonderful result to be promised. When we see, you know, offering these things in prayer with gratitude, you know, the be anxious for nothing but in all things in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful thing. And then look at the result then of when we change what occupies our thoughts. When we stop thinking about that thing, when we stop letting it consume us, when we stop letting it keep us awake at night, when we stop letting it create that knot in the, the pit of your stomach, when we stop letting it, when we start thinking about things that are life-giving, things that are real and things that are true, and we stop being distracted by those worries, look at the result. Finally, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, dwell on these things, the things that you've heard of and received. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You see the difference in those two things. 
One, offer this up in prayer and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Change how you think and the God of peace will be with you. One is the peace of God and the other is the God of peace. They're both awesome and they're both excellent. But I can tell you, I've had challenges and problems that I've prayed about and they've still bugged me. And they didn't change the the environment that I lived in and that I walked in. And I could walk into my own home, a place of sunshine, daisies, and roses, and I am a rain cloud. And and we've got to change the way we think so that we can walk in a life that is free from the burden of worry. I want to give you a passage of scripture from the psalm, Psalm 94, 19. It reads like this, when anxious thoughts or when worry multiplies within me, your consolation delights my soul. Your consoling. I mean, these are words that maybe we don't use every day, you know, but basically it's God taking care of you, him speaking kind words to you, him encouraging you. When worry begins to multiply within me, your kind words delight my soul. Let me give you a passage of scripture here that you could always turn to if you need kind words from God to delight your soul. No matter what the challenge, no matter what the problem, Isaiah 41, verses 9 and 10. Let me read them to you. I want you to note how they're written. They're written from God to you. In this passage, God is the I and you are the you. I have chosen you, and I've not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not, with worry, look around you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand makes your problems get smaller and smaller and smaller. Now that's something to me that is true and honorable and right, pure, lovely, of good repute, excellent, and worthy of praise. That's something to focus on. That's something to think on. And I'll give you this passage of scripture as we close here. You know, we, were, we opened up with those three things. The third thing we were going to look at was what to, do, what to do with your challenges. You know, we know what to do about them. You know, we, we pray about them in a, with a grateful heart and, and we seek wisdom from God. And then we, we, we alter the way we think and we focus on the things that are true and the things that matter, the things that are of God's kingdom. Just like Jesus would say, seek first his kingdom and, and what he says is right. I want to give you a passage of scripture here out of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it reads like this, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, so that he might exalt you at the proper time. Cast all of your worry on him, because he cares for you. Cast all of your worry on him, because he cares for you. You know, this one is, is it requires a, a, a revelation. It's one thing to memorize it. In fact, right after I was born again, this was one of the first passages of Scripture that I ever memorized. But memorization is one thing. Revelation by under, or understanding by revelation is a whole other thing. 
Earlier, my brain can, can have no problem reading from Philippians that I need to pray about this, I, I, you know, Father, please, I'm offering this prayer. But then now this, casting my worry on him is something that is, is altogether different. I mean, what does that even mean? How do you do that? I mean, is it done through some sort of miming where it's I lift this problem off of me and I cast it on to you? I mean, I don't, I don't really know. But then as I've looked at it and I've, I've prayed on it and I, I've, I've begun to see God do these things in my life, I realize what it means. It's all about understanding your worth and your value and your place in God's house. I mean, it's very easy for us to feel alone. It's the reason why we feel so much stress and strain when worries are, are coming in. Because we feel like it's our responsibility to fix this problem. How am I going to do this? How? And everything that God is leading us to has come to a place to realize that we're bought and purchased, that we're, we're made new creatures, we're called into his kingdom by his name and seated with Jesus in heavenly places, not next to him, with him. And so the understanding and the revelation that's touched my life as it con concerns this verse is that my problems are his problems. I mean, the things that touch my life, he, he's aware of. And since he has bought, purchased, and, and paid for in full my life, this is his to deal with. And when you see this and you understand this, it becomes apparent to us that it makes sense that we could be partnered and yoked with Jesus. And as we offer up our prayers and our thanksgiving, all of the feelings and, and the sense of being alone in dealing with these things is out the window. I can humble myself. I can stop being so selfish and so self-absorbed uh, to think that this is my problem. And I can humble myself under God's hand knowing that he's going to bring the solution at the proper time. And I can cast the anxiety on him because he cares for me. He's made a way. This is not my problem. It's God's problem. When he bought me, when he purchased me, when he shed the blood of Jesus so that I could be called by his name, he got all of this. And everything that comes with. When we realize that the things that we're dealing with are the things that God's dealing with, it takes that sense of, of being isolated off of the situation. And when we can stand in the place where we know that the words that God would encourage us with are intentional, he opens up with, I've chosen you and not rejected you. Like I will not leave you nor forsake you. You're not going to be alone. It opens up the door for us to live a life free from worry, to cast that anxiety on him. I want to, to close. I want to ask you to, to stand with me, and I want to pray. I want to ask God to do something in our lives to set us free from the learned behaviors and the traps of worry. I want to trust and believe that God can do this mighty work in us, that we can have a, a, an awareness in our heart of who he is. And in our minds, we can be set free from old habits and old ways that might not be productive. And we all handle these things differently, and some better than others. But I think that every person in the room can grow in their understanding and in their awareness 
and in their trust for God in handling anxiety and worry. And I think that the results are too important to, to make this a small thing. So there where you stand, I want to pray, and I want to ask God to do a, a work in us. And we're going to trust by the Holy Spirit that that work will, will take place. You're welcome to be in a state of agreement or simply receiving. But I want to believe for God to do this. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the value and the worth that you've placed upon our lives. Let our identity be set before us. And let all inferiority and, and all of the corruption that would come from inferior thinking, uh, let, it, let it be done away with. Let us be delivered from old ways and old habits and old ways of, of thinking and acting that would be unfruitful and unproductive. Those things that would wage war against your very word being effective in our lives. But teach us your, your word. You're your, the words of, of consolation, the kind and caring words that you've spoken to us and that you've revealed to us through the gospel. Let the good news prevail. Let a, a good word make our hearts to be glad. That we wouldn't be weighed down with anxiety or worry. And as we become aware of our worth, let us begin to, to think right and then act right. That as you do this work in our minds and our thoughts become in, in line with the truth, that our actions would become effective and fruitful, that we would truly seek your kingdom and your righteousness, that we wouldn't be led astray by the deception and the deceit of the, the, the things that would attempt to stir us through anxiety and worry and move us in a direction that would be counterproductive to your call upon our lives. And we repent, Father, of allowing worry to affect our, our, our feelings and our thoughts as it concerns our identity in you. Let there be a strengthening and an affirming of who we are through Jesus in each of our lives. We give you thanks and we rejoice that you've done this great and mighty work. Equip our hearts to be grateful in all circumstances. And let us bring those things that that attempt to bring anxiety into our lives to you in prayer. And let us focus on Jesus. Let us focus on the things that are of your kingdom. Let us focus on the things that are right. That we wouldn't be consumed by worry and anxiety. And then reveal to us that we might cast those things on you. That we would see your hand at work in our lives. And not be so myopic to think that we're alone. But let that anxiety be handed off. And let the liberation that results be manifest in the release of power and authority of your kingdom. That this world would see the life of the believer lived out without the cumbersome burden of worry. And let us look just like Jesus. We bless your name and we thank you, Father. And we surrender our lives to you to be transformed in every way necessary that we might walk in our calling as your sons and daughters. We give you thanks for your word and we celebrate the presence and the power of your spirit. We thank you and we rejoice in this mighty work in Jesus' name. And all the saints declared, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.